0: Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast-creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's
1: episode features Nikki Helms, wife and mother of two. She has worked as a midwife and postpartum doula in a San Diego community for over 15 years. Today, she'll be sharing what her journey of work has encompassed over the years in her plans in building a community-based birth center, a safe haven for birthing families. Hello, Nikki, welcome to the
2: show. Hi, thank you. Well, Nikki, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Um, sure, uh, I am, let's see, well, about my family. Well, we live in San Diego. We're in the Claremont uh, neighborhood in San Diego, which is where I would like to open the birth center, um, specifically because it's my community and I would like to you know, have my business here. Um, I am married. Uh, We have been. My husband is. His name is Noel, and we have been married for sixteen years. Um, And I jokingly tell people that the secret to longevity in a marriage is the inability to find a place to dump the body. Um, We have two little. We have two girls. Um, One is nine. One is fifteen. And. Yeah, I mean we've been in San Diego since about two thousand and five. My husband's family is here and we were in the Bay Area, um, living our life up there. And then we had a baby and we're like, oh, we got this, we got this. And then about six months into it, we're like, I want my mom. So we we went and got closer to family. And, you know, it's been great because they're they're close enough to where, you know, they won't just show up on the random. But if we need them there, they're right there. So it's been really great. And we've had, you know, a lot of just super positive interactions and and community building here in San Diego. So we're happy to be here.
1: That's a really important piece, just that idea of having family close when you start raising a family or if you're not able to, being able to build a new family, right, an additional family to help mm-hmm. with the supports, so it's like it sounds cliche that it takes a village to raise a child but it really does and sometimes it really does. the village you're born with or the one you create yourself
2: mm-hmm. absolutely and i i feel very fortunate that you know san diego has such an amazing birth community that um, you know, I, I have on on many occasions called on another midwife to watch my kids while I go off to a birth at two in the morning. And, you know, my kids pretty much know all the midwives in the county because they've at least seen them or like I drop them off at somebody's house at two in the morning. <laughs> so it's, it's great that birth workers here are so plentiful and so connected. I think that's absolutely. a really
0: good point that you just said about, specifically about like the birth worker community as a birth worker. Like we need a village too, because mm-hmm. many of us have children and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I get called at two in the morning. I need some support <laughs> and just mm-hmm. being able to be in a space where you can lean on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. For absolutely. that support, absolutely. thus mm-hmm. allowing you to serve the community. the best of your ability
2: Mm -hmm, absolutely and it you know these are people who are not going to freak out at a 3 a.m phone call (laughs) when somebody calls and says hey (laughs) um just had a quick question at like at three in the morning i just had a quick question just get to the point already (laughs) you know so so yeah the birth community here is far it's far flung but very um intimate in so much as we know each other Um, we spend a lot of time in various roles with each other, you know, like before I was a midwife, I was a doula, um, I did birth and postpartum work. So, you know, I had interactions with midwives, I had interactions with other doulas, interactions with clients. So it's been, it's been a really great uh, community to be a part of.
1: Right. Definitely one that understands like what your schedule looks like. And we say 2 a.m., but even 2 p.m., right? Like (laughs) 2 a.m. is actually easier, (laughs) (laughs)
2: Right. Yeah. Cause you might be back by lunchtime, you know, everybody can have cereal until I get back. (laughs) But (laughs) Yeah. Well, and now of course with the, with the pandemic on, you know, my husband Mm -hmm. unfortunately has been, um, you know, unemployed as it were, Mm -hmm. but that makes it a little bit easier for me to just be like, gotta go. And then I just just go. So I kind of, that's kind of a nice, you know, if you have to find a silver lining, for this type mm-hmm. of work that's one of them for this particular time of year so that works out right
1: so Nikki how did your birth work journey begin
2: mm. well I started off as a doula in 2003 um up in the bay area and um I had a friend of mine you know we had our little our little tribe of friends that we hung with you know and we all went to music festivals and shows and stuff together and um one of the and we kind of all went through this it was like a like a pig and a python kind of thing we all went through all of this stuff together and then a bunch of us went through this stuff together so we all kind of found each other and then eventually all of us got married and most of us got married to the partners that we came into the group with and then we all started having kids and so the first first of our little tribe to have a baby asked me hey, Nikki, will you be my doula? And I said, uh, sure. Sounds kinky. I'm down. What do we do? So I went and I took a class. Um, I took a Doulas of North America, you know, sanctions class and um, over a weekend. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I guess this is it. Right. And I thought to myself that this really does not feel like enough information, but I'm going to go with it because that's what they said they said it was enough, and I'm gonna say okay. And I went to the hospital with her and saw like I saw her have her baby, and it was just it was magical. It was one of those things that just changed. I had no idea how much it was gonna change the direction of my life. It was one of those things that I was like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever for you. All right, but then you know, as as is the way with a village, the next person that got pregnant said, Hey, you were at her birth. Will you, will you come to mine?" I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Third person. Hey, you were at their birth. Will you come to mine? Okay. Yeah, sure. No problem. Then, you know, sadly, when I had my kids, nobody came with me. So I was like, well, now where the hell did all y'all go? (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Um, so that's okay though. You know, it's not, this type of work is just not for everybody. Um, and so, you know, after I had my first, then we moved to San Diego and um I started kind of getting involved in hosting new mother support groups. That was my that was kind of my in for here at San Diego. I was um, you know, I knew the women and I was like, well, you know, I have a a one year old or you know, and I, I need some place where I can go and interact with people and bring my daughter. Um, because I, I, that just I you know the idea of getting a sitter was just not in the in our purview at all, so I started teaching new mother support groups. I started supporting, um, you know, new breastfeeding moms. Um, I started doing more postpartum doula work. I started teaching newborn care classes, um, and then I started realizing that, you know, I was becoming less and less of an advocate for my clients and more and more of a of a like a care provider. I felt more like. I'm not just here giving suggestions. I am telling you, this is what I have read. This is what my knowledge tells me, and this is what we need to do. Um, Which is not the role of a doula. That's not what a doula is there for. And so I was like, okay, well, I am now the mouthy doula, and I can't keep can't keep doing that because that's no good. So I went to midwifery school. I got the phone call for midwifery school and the phone call for nursing school in the same week, and had to decide which direction I was going to go. And so I felt as though I would be able to make an appreciable difference more rapidly if I were to become a midwife, because midwives in California operate with a a moderate amount of autonomy. So, um, you know, I can treat clients the way I feel is going to be most beneficial for them. And a lot of midwifery care is very consumer driven. So you know, you tell me what you want. Let's figure it out together. Let's do the research. Let's talk about it. Let's decide on evidence-based practices. And let's, you know, let's, let's read up and decide what we're going to do from there instead of just doing the standard, you know, whatever the standard protocol is. So I went to school here in 2014. Um, The Nijoni Institute of Midwifery is here in San Diego. So I went to school here and that was a three-year program where we were very focused on midwifery practice. It was really, you know, when I decided I was going to not go to nursing school, I really only ever wanted to be in labor and delivery or in the ER. And I was like, well, okay, well, here's here's my way to guarantee being in labor and delivery all the time. So, um, yeah, so it was a three year program, and it was a three year didactic program, and then concurrently, I had a three year hands on apprenticeship. Um, And then I had an additional two years of hands-on apprenticeship after school so that now I have like seven years of just apprenticeship time and then two years of private practice. Um, So yeah, that, and it was, it has just been so amazing. The number of people that have, you know, come into my life that have told me, I wish somebody had told me about this before, or I wish I had met you when I had my first kid or you know, these sort of things that really reinforce for me the fact that I am where I'm supposed to be. Um, And, you know, the people who need me are able to find me, which is very rewarding.
1: Tell us a little bit about California's midwifery practice. Is it, um, so you can do freestanding birth center
0: Mm -hmm.
2: at home? Mm -hmm. Can you attend births in the hospital as well? I cannot. Um, which is unfortunate. I mean, technically, the hospitals can hire us, but they don't. Hmm. Not entirely sure what that's about, but they don't. Um, but as a licensed midwife, which has been my career path, I can um, catch babies at home. I can catch babies at birth centers. I can, And these are freestanding birth centers, like you said, not hospital-based birth centers. Um, and then we can open and own freestanding birth center so that's my my current goal um because i have seen you know i've worked in of the birth centers here in san diego county i've worked in almost all of them and i've seen what they've done and i felt like some of the some of the things they've done have been amazing and fantastic and some of the things they've done i'm like i am never doing that so you know it's almost like whenever you see somebody else doing something yeah i could do that a little bit different or yeah i could do make a, a more of an impact if we did it this way. So that's my, that's my goal. Um, but yeah, nurse midwives in, in California have hospital privileges and we just, we just don't. Um, but the nurse midwives also have to have a physician supervisor and we do not. So, you know, it, it's kind of nice in that way where, you know, it's not that we don't, not like we're, you know, in we don't aren't in like this sort of adversarial relationship with physicians we're not but you know we can be posed against each other in such a way that you know the politics makes it seem like you know it's us versus them which it isn't you know we try really hard to be very collaborative with the physicians and other midwives and nurse midwives and everybody because it's all about the benefit of this this family that we're serving so we try, but some people out there are just like, I don't know why you'd have a baby at home. That's just insane. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I think about when you said the, the work of being a birth worker isn't for everyone. I think when you have different scopes of care providers, it also is tailored to who the person is. So some people Mm -hmm. don't want home birth and that's fine. So then they can find a care provider that works for them. Um, But I think if care providers are under the understanding of we're not against each other, you may have someone who may not have all the information at the beginning walks into a hospital or work is working with an OBGYN and wants midwifery care. You would hope that OBGYN would have, Um, enough of a relationship to lead them in the right direction instead of talking them out of the care that they want.
2: Right. And that doesn't always happen. Right. That's, that's, and that makes me really sad because of them trying to help families find the care that they really are saying to them, I want this, I want this, I want this. Some physicians don't think much past, well, I don't do that. And that's just the end of the sentence. Well, I don't do that. So, you know, um, thankfully there are several providers out there that are very very good at working within the midwifery community and within the midwifery model of care and so you know we can refer to them and they refer to us and it's great but unfortunately it's a you know it's a small number of physicians that are you know like oh you're going to do a home birth okay cool a lot of people are always afraid of being dropped by their insurance or being threatened by their physicians, like literally threatened with, you know, if you tell me you're going to have a home birth, I have to kick you out of my practice kind of threatened. Right. It's like why would, why, why? Right, <laughs> Exactly.
0: Understand. Exactly. Exactly. And
2: there's some people
0: who like want to do home births, but like to have that extra layer of still seeing their physician. But if you have a physician that's going to be like, if you mention it, it's out the door,
2: you know, then you have, it's like, I have to make a decision now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have I have a number of clients currently who have said that they want to have a home birth. We're going to do a home birth, and we do something called concurrent care, where they can see their physician. And technically, the term is current concurrent care. I call it the midwife side piece option, where you know, like you see your physician, but. On the side, you're gonna see your midwife, and um, when the time comes, you know they just call me instead of calling mm-hmm. the physician and letting them know on that, and then they just show back up, you know, a couple of weeks later, like, oh look, I had a baby, right? <laughs> but we wow. are able to, you know, it's a, it's, and that's the thing that people don't realize that they can do. They think that they have to choose, like, no, you don't have to choose. You can, you can have it all, you know.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so tell us what support for your families within your 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 care now looks like like if i'm if i'm coming to you what am i getting with
2: nikki well a a number of things one um you know a lot of laughs because we have lots of fun because pregnancy is hilarious um just depends on your perspective but you can so. As a midwife in California, I do several things. Um, one of the things I do uh, and that I'm really excited about is I support um, LGBTQ families in their family building uh, pursuits. So I do um, intrauterine inseminations at home for families. Um, if they have a known donor and they, you know, or they don't have regular access to sperm in their relationship, then we can do that kind of procedure at home. So there's that. Um, I offer a lot. I try and get make sure that, you know, our trans men know that if you still have a uterus and you still have a cervix, you still need to, you know, get get that <laughs> serviced, basically. You know, it's almost like a car. You need to get it serviced. Right. Um, so, you know, I am I'm, I'm fully encouraging of, of our, you know, trans brothers to make sure that they're getting their PAP but you get it with the midwife, you know, instead of having to go to a doctor or an HMO. And, you know, most of the time the HMOs are going to, you know, change up your primary care provider. And so every time you go in, you have to tell your story all over again. And, and for some people, that's really, you know, re-traumatizing for them. So instead of them having to do that, just come see a midwife. We're, we're going to be around until we die. So, you know, come in, pay the cash price, you're good to go. Um, so, there's that. Um, I offer, you know, reproductive health care to my clients. So, we're talking about doing PAPS, we do pelvic exams. We can talk about, you know, if you have yeast or bacterial genosis or any of these, you know, any of those type of reproductive health type things, we can take care of that. Um, pregnancy and birth. Obviously, right? I take care. I can do a full course of maternity care um, for pregnant and birthing folks. And um, we are able to be the primary care providers for pregnant and birthing folks for the first six weeks. So if you don't want to go to the pediatrician, you know, with your brand new baby, and all those other little snot-nosed brats, then you can, stay, you can stay at home and we can you know, help you look after your baby. We're going to make sure baby's putting on weight. We're going to support you and make sure that you have all of your um, breastfeeding and lactation support. Um, you know, We're going to take care of you in a most thorough way, I feel. Um, and then I think that's it. Is that everything? I think, well, and part of the idea behind the birth center is that we're going to be able to offer so much more once we have a place to do that. So my hope is that we can do a lot more with um, LGBTQ family support um, and teaching like newborn care and and childbirth education without their having just like, okay, take out father and insert partner. It's like, well, that's nice, but it doesn't quite work. Um, And I think that, you know, the the community sees it as like oh you really tried huh Mm," still didn't fly so i really want to focus on offering that type of education for those those families and father support i mean i don't know anybody that does new dads groups you know nobody's really looking at fathers and supporting them in this journey as well and not just black fathers but all fathers because i think that you know, in this, in this society, we're, we are socialized to think about fathers as just being these dopey idiots and like waiting on them to screw up. And when's the next screw up going to happen? I was watching the Simpsons with my daughter last night and she's like, what's wrong with him? It's like, yeah, well, that's a long story, but (laughs) you know, it's a lot about, Um, supporting fathers and giving them the respect that they really need and the support that they really need to feel like confident caregivers for these newborns and for their children, you know? And so somebody has to have faith in them in order for them to feel, you know, supported and, and bolstered up and okay, yeah, I can do this. So that's part of my, part of my goal as well. And, um, you know, consent based sex, positive sex education, um, is huge for us we've been working on myself and another midwife for working on um, teaching these classes in the high schools so we did that last year we taught two or three classes where we talked a lot about just consent based sex education and sex positive sex education and um you know hopefully if we can do a good job at that then i won't see some of these kids for a while i hope so so yeah that's a that's a the current smattering of things that that I am currently doing and working on at the same time. I mean,
0: I know that like we have remote care. I'm willing, can I sign up to be
2: a client? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Come on over.
0: (laughs) And I'll just travel to
2: San Diego when I need to see you physically. But uh, yeah, I'll come to Columbus (laughs) and catch your baby. You know, we did, we had a family that did that. They drove out here from, columbus as a matter of fact wow. to find a black midwife and since you know black midwives in san diego county are few and far between she and i knew each other you know and they when she said these people are coming from ohio and they want to have a black midwife they want to have a black birth team will you come work with me as hell yes <laughs> so yeah and they eventually moved here but yeah they they drove out and had their second baby with us out here because i think of the black there's four black midwives in san diego county so yeah it's it's so sad but it's one of it's funny because i'm like oh yeah you know people always say we don't all know each other but in this instance we kind of do so there's only four of us and this is a small you know it's a fairly small community in a fairly big county so the four of us we know each other we get along great (laughs) we do births together it's kind of awesome
1: I believe Ohio has two certified professional black midwives Mm -hmm. and one is. Yeah. We're,
2: we're, we're few and far between like black, Mm -hmm. black midwives as a whole. We're just, and, and I don't know, haven't quite figured out why that is. Um, but I definitely am finding more, um, opportunities for, you know, scholarship, um, applications and you know women of color scholarships and things like that so i have a little facebook group with a bunch of ladies that are thinking about becoming midwives and they happen to be women of color and so every time i find out about something you know i post it in the group here's another scholarship here's another you know educational path here's you know here's all these ways to get into this profession
1: <clears throat> right black midwives are definitely pushed out by the profession and so Seeing a lot of women reclaiming that lineage and that culture within and of itself has been just amazing, especially with social media. It allows you to see who we actually are and who's out there and where they are and who and just how interconnected, like you said, we don't all know each other. But very quickly and you get on social media <laughs> and black birth workers are like <laughs> mm-hmm. like yeah. I don't know you I've never met you, but I know you. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, and just starting building our own community and that's just been awesome are there any other yep. things about the um, birth center that you are fundraising
2: for that you wanted to share with us I know you must um, well that yeah that was a whole bunch of stuff I think that um, most of all I would like the birth center to become a community hub you know I really want to be able to offer a space for like education say for instance you know we do want to start hosting those um consent-based sex positive sex education classes i want to be able to offer them there Um, i want to be able to i've got a couple of other folks that are really you know in this day and age coming to the realization that in order to do something impactful we really have to do it together we have to do it collectively Um, so i have a group of uh, as Female photographers that are interested in um, teaching and and helping to support other women who are interested in, in photography, um, and so I'm excited to see what that brings about when um, you know the birth center is active and the photography group in the birth center is active, and when those two paths cross, I'm super excited to see how that turns out. Um, I am hopeful that at the birth center we'll be able to offer some. Um, community donation based services so I've got a couple of different alternative healthcare practitioners um, acupuncturists, chiropractors that are going to come in like one or two days a month and do donation based services which is wonderful um, and I think the one thing that I haven't really put in there that I want to put in there I just haven't figured out how to do it yet is uh, mental health support um, because you know per, um, perinatal mental health is it's just given a lot of credence to because I figured out a few years back that a friend of mine, one of the people that I was working with said that his wife didn't have postpartum. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, oh no, my wife's fine. She doesn't have postpartum. I was like, honey, it's not like it's a disease. It's not like you can see somebody's leg is going to fall off and be like, oh, it's because of the postpartum. It's not a thing. It, everybody has a postpartum period and in that postpartum period every once in a while it gets to be too much and so we've got to be able to acknowledge what that looks like and if you think of postpartum as like oh my wife doesn't have the flu or you know my partner doesn't have the postpartum then you're missing the point so my hope is to get some some mental support mental health support in there and and really you know create that that legit community where people are coming together and supporting each other and making our our community a better place
1: I will say we always say postpartum is forever and if anybody is a partner to someone that gave birth and you think that they're not going through something, you are missing it
2: like you, you have not it. been paying attention at all yeah, it's a, it's an ongoing thing. I always tell people I'm nine, I'm in my ninth year of postpartum. See, my postpartum period. Exactly. So. Yes. Yeah. yes.
0: It's a thing. exactly. And you know, I think it would be so amazing to think of like a reproductive space as a community hub. You know, like mm-hmm. Because of, I think like the awareness of our bodies and who we are and the mental, like all of that is encompassed. Like when you think about reproductive health, um, what it, how it brings you to the awareness that it brings. So just thinking about a space like that as a community hub and how much more in touch we would be with ourselves if we were constantly in conversation about that, mm-hmm. just think mm-hmm. that would be, I like saw a vision of that and I was like,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah, that would really I,
0: shift things.
2: It really would. And I think that we would really start to be able to see each other, um, you know, as just average, regular human beings instead of, you know, these, the, that person over there. Because we tend to be very compartmentalized, especially in Southern California. You know, everybody has to have a car and your car goes where you want to go and you're not necessarily on mass transit. And you're not really interacting with a, a lot of different types of people. You know, you're very compartmentalized. It's just you and just your family and just your friends and, you know, very few opportunities to mix that up. So, but that's the way that communities are built. But I think that, you know, we, we, that's part of the issue with, you know, the extensive amount of racism in this country is the fact that people don't see Black people as people. And that's the first step. You know, you've got to see my humanity before you see anything else. And that's not generally a way that we are directed to interact with each other. We're you know, we're told not to see color, but then well, not seeing color kind of denies my experience, so we can't do that. And so sometimes just interacting with people and seeing like, you know, oh, well, that guy's got a car just like mine, and I wonder where he got it, And oh, you know, and just seeing people in this sort of regular average uninteresting doing stuff everybody does every day kind of activities is really kind of endearing and engaging and really makes you want to care about you know your fellow man because they're just like you but you have to see the humanity of people first in order to make a change yep
0: (laughs) um you know one thing danny has has really taught me is um, ask for what you want. And so where are you in the process of the birth center? And what do you need?
2: How much you need, what you need. (laughs) (laughs) So my grandmother had a very similar saying. She would say, closed mouth, don't get fed. And I was like, that old lady is crazy but then I figured out what she meant, you know, many years later, you know, and after I had lost her, I finally figured out what that meant. So right now we are working on the GoFundMe and the GoFundMe is up to, um, about $125,000, which is super exciting, which is about halfway to the goal of, um, $250,000. Um, so that's where we're going now because that's where we're going, I don't want that to be where we stop. Um, So I am, you know, still putting out the fundraiser still there. So the GoFundMe is still active and I'm encouraging people to continue to share it, continue to donate. Um, I have several different business owners that have come to me and said they wanted to, um, you know, do whatever it is they do for the benefit of the birth center. So there's going to be a, bar three class it's going to be given and the donations from the class will benefit the birth center. So super excited about that. Um, What I need is a space, you know, and I I am in the process of looking for a space and it's very unusual how difficult that has become. And I don't think that it's because I'm picky, you know, but I do, I'm not picky, but I am very specific about what i want so i'm trying to not put it in a negative connotation but i'm very specific about where i want this place to be and so that's that's what i need right now i need a space um so you know every morning i wake up and i put that out to the universe maybe today will be the day that we find the space but i also am moving very you know kind of slowly because i don't want to feel rushed into anything and i don't want to feel like you know, I'll just, I'll just take this and make it work, you know, because I think oftentimes Black folks are used to working from a place of scarcity where we know we are only gonna get but so much, so we gotta figure out how to make it work for everybody, right, how do we take $5 and stretch it out for three days? So I, I'm trying to work from a place of abundance. I have an abundant uh, mindset because you know we joke about how there's always going to be enough vaginas to go around right it's not like we have to be competitive with each other because we have to come from this place of abundance and and plenty and so I'm trying to remind myself of that that like you said you know ask for what you want very worst case you don't get it and you no worse off right you're back where you started but you know i think that we as as women and as black women in particular we need to start to learn how to do that and start to learn how to accept that you know if i said i want three million dollars and somebody else said okay and i should just say thank you instead of like well but then and you only have to and, and sort of quantify or qualify it in some way i should just be able to say thank you and move on So. Um, I think we could all stand to do that a little bit more, you know, ask for what we need. And then when it is presented to us, just say, thank you. So yeah, a space would be lovely. I actually was just very fortunate enough to be friends with a, um, a woman whose birth center just closed. And so, you know, if I had the space, I could, I have so much of her stuff. I could probably open the birth center next week if I had the space. Because I have so much of her stuff. Um, and that has been a blessing to me as well, you know. So, yeah, the search continues, but we'll see. You know, San Diego's not the cheapest place to try and have um, property, you know, and, and to rent property. And it's, it's all ridiculously inflated. But I know that the space is out there. So I'm just going to wait till we find it.
1: <laughs> Remind us again, the neighborhood, the area.
2: The name of um your- claremont is where i am looking okay and claremont is kind of smack in the middle of san diego county as a whole um there are birth centers to the north and birth centers to the south of me but claremont is right in the middle of san diego county got it, got it.
0: and i also i really liked how you you said like not only asking for what we want <clears throat> also being able to say Thank you. Once we get it and leaving it at that, but also having the mindset of abundance and not backtracking. Like after a couple of no's, like fine, I'll just I'll deal with what this is because that's easy Mm -hmm. to do. But it's much harder to be like, no,
2: I will wait because this is what I said. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I and I think that you know we've we've just been set up to have that mindset in this country. Like, okay, well, I'm going to give you. This part, you know, and I I keep thinking about food, and it's like I'm gonna give you this pig, but you only get the intestines and the ears, so you gotta make that work. And mm-hmm. black folks are like, okay, right, got you. I'm gonna make it work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Granted, I don't need chitlins, but it's right. But- <laughs> <laughs> it is. I'm gonna make it work. Yeah, I'm gonna make it work. And and you know, i I'm in this community with some other women who are just amazing women of color that are working on, you know, making a big impact in the birth community. And that's, that's the mindset that they continue to remind us about, like, you have to come at this from a place of abundance. And even if it doesn't feel like you have a lot, you have more than you realize, and you more will come. So it's nice to be supported in that way
0: um so how can someone i know you mentioned the GoFundMe. we're gonna put everything in the show notes but how can how can people find out more information or get
2: in contact with you uh well my email address is your community midwife at gmail.com um, my website is your community midwife.com um so either to either of those two um, avenues I, you know, I'm a midwife, so my phone never gets turned off. I'm constantly, uh, ha- it's, it's right here. So <laughs> either of those two routes are, are ways to get a hold of me. Perfect. Those will be in the show notes as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Any resources or advice or anything else from, you know, your experience as a birth worker and where you guys are
2: now. Oh my goodness. You need a whole other show for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Well, one thing I will, I will share that I find is, um, you know, again, coming from that place of abundance, especially if you're pregnant and you're getting ready to birth in this, you know, in the middle of this pandemic and, you know, this, this craziness, couple of things if you're going to birth at a hospital you know don't settle get what you can because you you are the consumer you are the you're the customer as a as a you know person who is covered by it. an insurance company yes but you are the customer so you need to make sure that you're getting what it is that you want and um you know in this pandemic situation switching gears from going going from a hospital birth to a home or a birth center birth is not unheard of but it is not easy Mm -hmm. it's not it's not um because because home birth and out of hospital birth requires a bit more commitment and action on the on behalf of the family that's going to take on this challenge you know um and so you have to kind of prepare for that because as midwives, we're not going to just tell you, okay, here's what we're going to do. No, you have to really be committed to finding out, you know, the evidence-based practices and having these discussions and doing your own research and coming to home birth with your own little cadre of knowledge. So if you decide you want to switch from a, home, from a hospital birth to a home birth, absolutely, but be prepared to do the work.
1: Yes,
0: yes, yes, I know. Uh, And we've talked about that, that last piece, especially on this show a couple of times um, about the preparation of home birth um, Mm -hmm. or out of, or just out of hospital birth, Mm
2: -hmm. that it is
0: work. And I think, you know, especially in this pandemic, there was this heightened sense for people to want to make that move and there's this glorification of it without actually talking about what needs to happen Mm -hmm. to make sure that it's an experience you walk away from still happy and joyous about in yours that still takes work. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't just show up. Right. Oh, here's my home. (laughs) Right. Here's my home. Here's my vagina. Let's do this. Right. Let's do this. Like, (laughs) no, there's, you got to do the work. So I have to, I really appreciate, um, you you talking about that and and sharing that from a stance of a midwife who's doing this Mm -hmm. Um, like yeah i'm here for
2: you but i'm expecting you to come with some things as well Mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's a collaborative effort you know you have to bring some stuff to the table everybody brings stuff to the table Mm -hmm. Um, because we've had you know at, at several midwives that i know that i know you know especially during this pandemic have had people switch to a home birth at like 36 37 weeks And they were just not prepared. They were just not prepared. And so as much as we say, you know, we cannot guarantee that you'll have a home birth, that's what we're gonna try for, but we can't guarantee that almost of those women that switched at the last minute, I think sixty to seventy percent of those women that switched to the last minute wound up going to the hospital anyway. Um and I think part of that is preparation and and you know commitment. Because you can't, you know, you can't commit out of fear. You have to commit because you think this is a better thing to do. Not because you're scared of the other thing. You have exactly. to commit because this is better. And, I, I, you know, and I think, too, that Black folks don't realize that Black folks do this. You know, Black folks don't realize that this is not just, you know, bougie white ladies. This is happening everywhere. And Black women in particular are, are actually safer outside of the hospital system to birth. Um, and a lot of reproductive health care for Black women is safer outside of the hospital system. So, you know, again, not that I hate hospitals because they're great when you need them. They're awesome. But right. for things like birth, when you don't necessarily need it, you know, you, you may want to consider doing something different. Thank you. So mm-hmm. much for sharing, you
0: know all <laughs> yes, all the quotes.
2: Here journey.
0: <laughs> you know, um, create like already having already doing the work, but having a vision to create a space for it to grow and expand. And so, just thank you very much for joining mm-hmm. us today.
2: Oh, yeah, thank you. It's been and thanks for listening pleasure. to Birth Stories
0: in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesandcolor.com.